The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. If you've been following our podcast, you know we've been dealing with the topic of the spiritual armor provided for us as set forth in Ephesians chapter 6. We've looked at the girdle of truth. We've looked at the breastplate of righteousness. And we've looked at the boots of the gospel. Today, we want to look at the shield of faith. The shield of faith is so important in the life of a child of God. Because you see, the devil is firing his darts at us constantly. And they're fiery darts that cause more damage than just the initial injury. But we're told that with the shield of faith, we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Join us today and tomorrow as we look at this shield of faith and learn some important principles about how we can avoid and extinguish all the fiery darts that Satan throws at us. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
back to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and let's read again, beginning in chapter, uh, chapter 6 and verse 10, regarding the armor that God has provided for us in our spiritual battle. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We are at the point in this discourse on the spiritual armor where we are discussing the shield of faith. Now, we've talked about the girdle or belt of truth and the fact that that's essential to all the rest of the armor, the truth is the foundation upon everything in our lives and should be what we build our lives upon. We've looked at the breastplate of righteousness. That's the way we live. That's how we, uh, how we serve God and try to live in a righteous way in this present evil world. And then we looked last time at the, the footwear, the boots of the gospel. And we saw how important it is to have the right boots on. You've got to have the right boots on or you're going to be barefoot in the battle. Well, this morning, we want to look at the shield of faith. And we want to make sure that our shield is the real deal. <laughs> is your shield for real? Might be a question we should ask ourselves. God wants us to be prepared for the battle that's before us. He's he certainly has done everything necessary, everything that was required, He has done to save us for eternity. But we're not in eternity yet. We haven't passed from the veils of these shadowlands yet. And while we're here in this, as I've heard it put, this low ground of sin and sorrow, we're in a spiritual battle on a daily basis. We're struggling every day. And we need some help in this struggle. Again, we're not talking about struggling in a battle to get us to heaven. He fought that battle and won. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. He, he won the battle. He, he completely discharged every single sin that every single one of his children have ever committed or ever will commit. Praise God for that. He has put them away. And we can rest in that. But those for, whose sins, those for whom he died, those whose sins he put away, are those that I'm talking to this morning who are in a spiritual fight. You're not in a fight if you've not been born again, if you're not a child of God, you know, because the world's your home. <laughs> you're, you're, you're happy. You're, you're, at peace. you're enjoying the, the, the things that are going on here. But if you're, if you're a born-again child of God, you're struggling through this life. Because this world is not our home. And you need a shield that is real. You need a shield that is the right kind of shield to help protect you in the battle. Notice what it says here. It says, above all. 
above all, taking the shield of faith. Now that doesn't mean that the shield of faith is more essential. It's not saying more important than the rest, but that phrase there, uh, above all, especially if you look it up in the Greek, means on top of all the rest, in addition to. So you remember what he said, put on the whole armor. Don't go into battle half-dressed. Go into battle with all of the armor on, and part of the armor is the shield. You don't need some flimsy piece of plywood, but a sturdy, strong protector. You need a shield that's real, that's going to get the job done. Remember that what Paul's doing here is he's describing the spiritual armor from the standpoint of the armor of the Roman soldier, that his, his audience would have understood this. They knew what Romans wore. So let's look at the shield of the Roman soldier for a minute. The Roman soldier's shield was extremely important to the whole armor. Remember, it wasn't more important than, but it's just as important as. And it means that on top of all the rest of the armor, we need to put, we need to have this shield. We see, why is that? Well, the other armor up to this point primarily protects against close quarters combat, you know? You've got a breastplate of righteousness, the girdle of truth. You've got, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, um, you, you've got the uh, boots uh, of the gospel. You've got, you've got the things that are necessary in a one-on-one close combat. But you see, it doesn't protect too much against long-range missiles. <laughs> it doesn't guard against those things that are cast from, from way out there. You know, a man with a bow and arrow can do a whole lot more damage to a knight in shining armor than a man with a sword because he can stand back and just keep shooting until he hits a place where he doesn't have any armor. So you needed this shield, and they, there were two different types of shields used in the Roman army. One of them was a small round shield that was strapped to the forearm. Uh, sometimes it's called a buckler. It was very light, and it was used in hand-to-hand combat, and it was primarily designed for solo battle, one-on-one. Two, two people go out there, and they're fighting in the, in the, ring, the, the, uh, the ring out there, and they're, uh, that, that's primarily what that little shield was designed for. But this shield that, that we're talking about here is not that kind of shield. This shield in the Greek, the word is thurios, and it comes from the Greek word thura, which means a door, a door. And so this shield was shaped like a door. It was a large, oblong, four-cornered, sometimes oval shield. It was a large piece of wood that would have covered the entire body of that Roman soldier. Uh, It would be covered with metal. It would be covered with leather and other types of protectants. This shield, uh, you know, for for our younger folks and our modern times you know the other shield was like the shield that captain america had okay well this is not captain america's shield okay this is this is a this is a big shield that would cover most of the body of the roman soldier and oftentimes the leather on that shield would be treated with oils so that it would more easily deflect uh, a dart or an arrow or it would maybe even extinguish a flaming arrow that might hit it They needed a real shield that was sturdy, strong, and steady. And the strategy that they used was this. This is is interesting. In general, when a Roman legion would go out, there would be those on the front line of the soldiers with these shields, these big shields. 
They would plant them side by side at the point where they wanted to make their stand. And most often those shields had interlocking edges. They would, they would be able to lock them together, so to speak, to where the whole front line would be one shield wall. And they could stand behind this shield and generally be protected from arrows or even javelins or spears and that sort of thing. And those around them and behind them got protection from this shield wall as well. And so this, this legion operated as a unit. And in fact, it was called, it was called by the name of the Latin name for tortoise because it looked like a turtle walking around. You know, so they would have them on the side sometimes, depending on the situation. Those shields would go around the front, around the sides, uh, and, and you could rely on the shield of your fellow soldier to help protect you to some extent as well. So I find that interesting, and we'll come back to that in a minute. I believe there's some implications from that for us in the spiritual warfare that we have. So that's the shield of the Roman soldier, and that's the shield that he's using to describe this shield of faith. So let's talk about the shield of the Christian soldier, the shield of faith. And like the Roman shield, it's the same word here that's referring to the full body shield and not to the little solo combat shield. We especially need a shield that is a real protector, a real shield in our spiritual combat. And ours is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? That this item that we buckle on and that we put out in front of us is something that we're going to see we have to take it up. It's the shield of faith. What's the definition of faith? Well, faith, the, the actual Greek word there is pistis, and, and it means uh, a persuasion or assurance or belief. It's, it's often translated as belief or believe in the, Greek, in the, um, uh, in the New Testament. It occur, this Greek word occurs 244 times in 228 verses in the New Testament. I would say that faith or belief is important, wouldn't you? <laughs> now, now, you know, as primitive Baptists, we understand that our belief and our faith is not what saves us eternally. That in fact, there are many of those out in the world who've never heard the gospel, who never will hear the gospel, and yet who are children of God. And over in the second chapter of Romans, I believe it is, the question is asked, maybe it's the third chapter, I believe, the question is asked, what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God of none effect? And the answer is, God forbid. <laughs> he said, let God be true and every man a liar. God is going to be true to what he purposed to do before the foundation of the world, regardless of the faithfulness or the faithlessness of those that he died for. Now, that... That's just a fact from the Word of God. That's a fact about salvation we need to understand. But it's also a fact that we don't need to be in that category of those who do not exercise their faith. While we understand that belief and faith is not necessary to eternal salvation, we also need to understand that belief and faith is absolutely necessary to us in the spiritual warfare we face here in this life. Because without your faith, without the exercise of your faith, without using that faith, without the shield of faith, every fiery dart that the devil throws at you will hit its mark and will cause damage. 
So what is faith? We don't have to look too far. We've gotten the definition from the concordance, but look over with me in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read a biblical definition of faith. You know, I've always heard it said that the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture itself. <laughs> if you want to know what something means, look and see what it's, how it's used in the Bible. So here we have a definition of faith that is extremely important to us. Look in chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we find something important here about faith. In the, under the biblical definition of faith, faith is both substance and evidence. You know, sometimes we think about faith as some ephemeral you know, wispy thing out there. In fact, our atheist friends will accuse us of just being, having wishful thinking, that faith is some kind of wishful thinking. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is something with substance. Faith is something that, ha that is evidence. That word substance comes from two Greek words meaning to stand and the other word meaning under. And so that word put together is it's hypostasis, which is where we get our word hypostasis today. Hypostasis, which means a setting or a placing under. It means a substructure or a foundation or that which has foundation. And I like this, I like this portion of the definition. That which has actual existence, a substance, a real being. So when somebody accuses you of, you don't have anything but faith, say, that's what I need. <laughs> I need that. That's something. That's not something out there in, in, the, uh, you know, in the clouds somewhere. That's something real. That is something that is substance. And then it's also evidence. Evidence of things not seen. Evidence is a proof by which something is proven or tested or a conviction. So here's, here's the point. Faith is all you need to prove any case in the spiritual courtroom of your heart and mind as a child of God. Faith is admissible, valid evidence. In fact, it is the best evidence. <laughs> it's substance. It's real. Don't let, don't let the world run you away. Well, I need proof. Faith is proof, beloved. Faith is proof. Now, now, where do we get our faith from? Think about this, the source of our faith. Now, the first point we need to remember about this is, turn with me over to 2 Thessalonians. We're just going to look over there. The first point we need to remember is this, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Read with me here in verse, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. All men have not faith. Everybody doesn't have faith. I know the world teaches that there's a little kernel of faith in everybody. There's a little flame flickering down deep if you just fan the flame and get them to work it up inside and, and begin to... Uh, think right and talk right and read right and act right, then, then at some point they can become born-again children of God. But here we read that all men have not faith. In fact, no one who is unregenerate, that is no one who has not been born again, has faith, including children of God. You know, there's two types of people in the world 
that don't have faith. There are those who are not children of God who will never have faith. Then there are those who are children of God who have not been born again yet. And they don't have faith either. Because you see, here's the problem with telling an unregenerate sinner to just have faith. We read, and we won't turn there, but you can turn there and read over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. So where does faith come from? It comes from Christ. He's the originator. That's what author means. He's the one that creates it. And he's the one that finishes it too, by the way. But he's the creator. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, we read about the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. Faith, joy, peace, love. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. And what that tells us is, is that until you have the Spirit, you cannot have faith. In fact, we read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 14, which we quote all the time. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Well, we just read that faith is a thing of the Spirit of God, right? So, so it's a fruit of the Spirit. The natural man, the one who has not been born again, cannot receive faith. The whole point is this, is that faith originates with God. And the only way to have faith if you're in the category of not having faith, it's for the Lord to born you again. The Lord to regenerate you, and the Spirit of God implants faith in your life. In fact, that's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you've got to be born again in order to even see the kingdom of God, because we only can see it by faith. And it's because you don't have faith when you're in the flesh. Now, here's the second point. Look over with me to... Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, in verse 5, the disciples talk to Christ here. The disciples are talking to Christ here, and they ask him a question. They, the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And it's kind of interesting the way the Lord answers them. Now, I don't want to belabor this too much, but I do want to share a little bit on this because I think it's important. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. Now, what kind of answer is that? <laughs> what kind of answer is that? I think it's an important answer for us. I think it's an important answer. Because here's what he's telling them. He's telling them something that shows the strategy that we must employ with our shield of faith in our daily lives. And that is that we must work our faith to grow our faith. Now, I understand that it's appropriate to pray to the Lord, Lord, help me, give me more faith. You know, in one place, the, the man came to Jesus and, and said, my daughter's dying. And, and he, he asked him, do you believe? And he says, yes, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. That's, a, that's an appropriate prayer. Lord, I'm struggling. I've, I've got faith, but I struggle with some areas in my faith, and I need your help in my faith. But, but here's the real remedy for increasing your faith. He said, if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, what happens in a, the case of a mustard seed? Mustard seed is the smallest seed of all. It's a little, small, tiny seed. But when you plant it, as it grows, as, it, as the water uh, waters it and as the soil nourishes it and as it's 
doing what it does, it grows into the largest tree, the largest bush, if you were, that's like a tree that there is. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, you've got faith as a mustard seed. Now you work that faith. And here's the point. It's, faith is like a muscle. We have to work it to grow it. The more you work it, the stronger it gets. So when we sit around and just say, well, Lord, I just don't have any faith. Lord, help me with my faith. I need to increase my faith. And we never exercise our faith. We never act faithfully. Then we're not going to experience much increase in our faith. And that brings us to this strategy that I was talking about. You know, we talked about the strategy of the shields uh, of the Roman soldier. Here's the strategy that we need to employ in our shield and the shield of our faith. It's a simple strategy. It's a phrase, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And that doesn't mean, it didn't say the just shall exist by faith. So I just sit down on my couch and trust that the Lord's going to just bring everything I need. Well, I don't advise you do that because if you try that, you're going to be sadly disappointed, I'm afraid. You see, if you read throughout the Scripture, one of the themes of Scripture is that faith and love and all the things that we read about, they're active things. They're not passive things. Love is not a feeling that makes your heart go pitter-pat. I, I understand that when you love someone, that happens, but, but that's not where it ends, you know? That's not where it stops. It's, it, it must be, it must be uh, demonstrated. You know, God, if God had just loved us with this sweet feeling in His heart up in heaven but never come down and done anything about it to make us, uh, to, to bring us home to be with him, then it wouldn't do us much good, would it? That, would, that wouldn't be real love. See, here faith is an active faith. And by the way, this phrase occurs four times in Scripture. You know, if something's in Scripture one time, that ought to be enough for us. But if it's there four times, the Lord is ringing a bell. He's saying, you better sit up and take notice. <laughs> The first time we read it is over in Habakkuk. Let's just turn back over there just for a minute. Uh, over back to the book of Habakkuk and, um, and see what old Habakkuk says about it. And I know you're looking for it just like I am. <laughs> Habakkuk's not a book we go to a lot, but I heard Brother uh, uh, Sonny Pyle say one time, he said, you better read those books over there because one day we're going to run into Mr. Habakkuk up in heaven and, uh, and he's going to ask you, how'd you like my book? And you don't want to have to hang your head and say, well, I never read it. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, we just took that out of context, so let me give you a little context. Habakkuk is prophesying in the time right before the Babylonian captivity, and it's a time when wickedness was rampant throughout Judah. He had probably lived during the time of Josiah, who was the last good king and one of the best kings of Judah, but now the prophecy is coming uh, apparently during the time of one of his sons, maybe Jehoiakim. And what happened after the death of Josiah was that everybody went right back to where they were, that wickedness was rampant, corruption was rampant in the land. They weren't listening to God. You know, the book of the law had been lost in the house of the Lord, and Josiah found it. He repented in sackcloth and ashes. The whole country benefited from his repentance, and he reinstated the true worship of God. And then as soon as he died, they went right back where they were. It was almost as if the book of the law was lost again. 
And God was silent during this time. So think about where he is. He, there's wickedness in the land, and God doesn't appear to care. God doesn't appear to be doing anything. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.